0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome. It's time to Rise and Shred. I am joined by none other than Chris Whalen this morning. We've had him on the show before. And guys, if you don't know Chris, we're actually going to have him share a little bit about himself this morning, but we're talking Fed interest rates. We're talking about housing sectors. it slowing down. We're talking about a
1: Ginny May proposal.
0: We're talking about so much. And again, I have Chris Whalen joining me. Chris, good morning and welcome back to Rise and Shred. Good morning, Josh.
1: Beautiful day in New York.
0: I hear you getting some weather out there too. Getting a little bit of rain, some moisture send it we should, our way you my have
1: friend. A pipeline just send it out to California
0: I, send it back this way we need it so bad right now but hey I'm I'm excited to have you back and kind of a little teaser you and I have been talking about even uh working on a little bit more together and doing this more regularly you and I because there's so many things that you and I want to start with this because you Chris you have a background in our industry that gives you this opportunity to share your wealth to share your industry knowledge and expertise with all of us. And you do it in such a profound way. Last week, you were quoted by so many different sources, other people's shows from Nareb, John Steve. There were so many people actually talking about some of the things that you've been sharing. And today we're going to dive into many of them. And there's so much more to come. Before we do that, though, I want, for those who don't know your background, will you share a little bit about about your background and kind of how you got into the industry?
1: Well, certainly. And I thank you, Josh. You're very kind. Um, I started off life as a bank analyst. I I worked at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York for Paul Volcker, Jerry Corrigan, and really loved that experience. And then I was kidnapped by these guys from Bear Stearns, and they sent me to London. And next thing you know, I'm trading mortgage-backed securities and bonds and everything else. So my background is really as a banker and as somebody who follows depositories. However, in the mid-2000s, We had to start paying attention to mortgage because mortgage exploded. Half of all mortgages in the U.S. were private. They weren't guaranteed by Uncle Sam. So that's where the risk was. And as I was saying to you before the show, in 2005, I was sitting there with my partner, Dennis Santiago, at Institutional Risk Analytics, and both WAMU and Countrywide started to see falling volumes. Hmm. And we thought, "Uh uh-oh, what's happening? That's bad. Because when you have an aggregator as big as Countrywide and it starts to shrink, that tells you the party is over. So I basically had to become a bit expert in mortgage. I then worked uh, for Carrington, which is a great distress service, or I learned about the back end of mortgage that most people on Wall Street never see. They don't know what happens to the loan after they sell the securities. So that was enormously beneficial. Uh, I spent three years building the financials team at Kroll Bond Ratings. It's wonderful, by the way. They have an awesome ABS team that follows our market. Uh, the research is free, by the way, and it's a great resource. So that's kind of how I got here. And, you know, I've always been a writer. My father, Richard Whalen, was the biographer of Joe Kennedy. Uh, I grew up with presidents and Fed chairman roaming around our house, drinking scotch late at night. So that that's where I got my political perspective. I mean, you know... Uh, Bill Casey and Jim Schlesinger were my dad's best friends. And all Yeah, there, there were all kinds of other people like that roaming around. I'll never forget once we had a keg party in the backyard, and the police showed up, and they're banging on the door. And my dad opens the door, and there's this guy standing next to him, and the cops, you know, start to give us a hard time. He goes, let me introduce you to the Attorney General of the United States. No way!
0: (laughs) What I do? I say you have some. I bet that's just one of the many crazy stories that you could share. That's so cool. And then again, and now you're in the industry. This is kind of where you spend your time. You share so much valuable, valuable information, and you do it from a perspective that's just so honest and real. And really, what I probably appreciate most is it sparks discussion, which we're going to get into that more today. But we need that in our industry now more than ever as changes are happening as, as things are, as, you know, evolution as change happens as it frequently does we need to be having these discussions we need to have people like yourself who are thought leaders who are at least starting the conversation and who can do it in an educated way and with a background that can back it up not just these people who are creating fake news not the, just these headline creators who are just trying to you know create fear or trying to spark you know whatever type of political conversation but somebody like yourself who does have the education and the background and the knowledge to actually share with that being said Let's talk, let's first start with this Fed interest rate, interest rates in the Fed. What what is happening there? What are we expecting? What should we be expecting here in the near future with that?
1: Investors thought earlier this year and last year that we had something called the reflation trade, which basically meant that we were going to have rising rates. And rates did back up a bit. But now what you're seeing is the enormous pull of investors who are out there looking for paper and they can't find it. Why? Why? Because the Fed is in buying $50 billion a month in mortgage-backed securities. So as long as the Fed continues to buy securities, rates are going to remain low. And this isn't just the Fed. This is a global phenomenon. There's demand for U.S. Treasury paper offshore that you can't believe, Josh. And that also is driving rates down. Now, you see the discussions in the newspaper today about the Fed thinking about tapering sooner and there's a growing number of people on the Federal Reserve Board on the Federal Open Market Committee that believe we should do that. Why? Because of inflation. They think that maybe we've done too much. So I think for people in the industry, you have to realize that for now, rates are low. The yield curve is very flat. So everything out to a couple of years right now is basically almost the same as the short end. The Fed has decided not to allow the very short maturities to go negative. That's why they raised the rate on uh, repurchase agreements, reverse repos, we call them, when the Fed takes cash out of the market. And they also raised the rate they pay on reserves. Why? To bail out the money market funds, who Mm. were at risk of failure two months ago. You don't read that in the paper, by the way. That's that's not part of the official narrative. I was going to say, nobody's talking about that part, right, Chris? No. Well, everyone's focused on equities, and they know that if the Fed actually starts to raise interest rates, or if we see evidence of a slowing, if we see another lockdown that we'd probably talk about in a few minutes, then the equity markets are going to have a big question mark, and we could see a significant trade-off. So for people in the mortgage industry, what does this mean? Make hay now while you can. You may see spreads start to widen if the Fed reduces the amount of paper they're buying, and you may also see rates back up. You know, I saw a rate this morning uh, from LendingTree, I think, for 1.99% refi. Okay? Whoa. Yeah. So, Whoa. you know, you've got an opportunity here. I think the next couple of quarters, you're going to see volumes higher than we expected. I think our friend Mike Fratt Tony at the MBA is going to have to revise his estimates upward for refinance <laughs> activity. But, you know, I love Mike because he's a very conservative, very thoughtful analyst. And he's always thinking about change, which is, you know, we've been through five years of just low rates. Could we see rates back up again? And the answer is yes. When the Fed stops buying and they simply go back to a target regime for interest rates, then I think you'll see rates go up.
0: As I say we're going to see them go. We, this is one of those. That probably in our industry, Mike, or with Chris is probably one of those things where I say Mike because I'm thinking now you got Fran Tony in the back of my mind. I I we talked about this we talk about this, Chris. Mortgage professionals, sometimes we're all about rates. It's all about, oh, our well, rate's going to go up, our rate's going to go down, are rate's going to go up. We just like constantly, like th- this is one of those things that just happens in our industry. We see rates go up, we see rates go down, we see rates go up. Right right now, like you said, I love it. You got to make K while the sunshine, ladies and gentlemen. Take advantage of rates while they're low, they're going to go back up. Now, like I said, re- be re- now's the time you should be reaching out to borrowers. You should, all those relationships that you spent yeah. so much time with, you should be having conversations with them, educating them on like, hey, this is why, now's the time. Time to take action. Historic interest rates. We've said this for years. are like, oh, interest rates are at historic lows, but they really are at historic lows. 1.99, if you're seeing that out there, that means consumers are seeing those out there. So it's sparking conversations. So now more than ever, and if you don't stay in front of your consumer, somebody else is. Like oh, you said, Chris, yeah. like lending trees out there, rockets out there, people people who are spending all kinds, of uh, tens of millions of dollars in advertising talking about this and trying to get in front of the eyeballs of your consumer. So if you're not doing it, you're going to miss out somebody on it. Somebody will.
1: The loans and the money.
0: Yeah, I was so. going to say, somebody else will. So let's. as we're talking about that, because interest rates are hot, is the housing sector starting to slow down? Are we running out of buyers right now, Chris?
1: I think in high-end markets, yes. I have a good friend who many people in the industry would know, but I'll protect him, his identity, <laughs> who's out in Whitefish, Montana. And he bought himself a beautiful house out there a couple of years ago. And what he described to me last year and early this year was the complete sale of every high-end property in that market. Mm-hmm. Everything was bought by out-of-towners mostly, people with license plates nobody had ever seen before, right? They're so like, oh, whoa. All of that kind of stopped about 90 days ago. Hmm. Meanwhile, here in you know, suburban New York, I live in Westchester County, New York, things have also quieted down a good bit. It's not to say that there's not competition for assets, but anything over a million dollars above the conforming limit, no. Hmm. So there's still enormous activity in the middle and the low end of the U.S. housing market because we don't have enough homes. We're not building enough houses for young families. This is a a big problem that's structural. But I think the rush out of the cities, the rush for an escape house anywhere uh, has largely calmed down. And what we got to see is what happens this fall, Josh. If if Mm -hmm. we see another lockdown in major cities, I think, again, you're going to scare people. And this is one of the reasons why we've had trouble getting people vaccinated, because they're scared. Yeah. we, We had a huge disruption to our society for the past 18 months. And I think the question is, when can we get things settled down so all of the policymakers and all of the employers can start to go back to something like normal, right?
0: Yeah. So let's, I want to, I don't want to get on the political side of this at all, but no, no. you mentioned something that is really, really critical here. And we've heard talk of it. I, admit, I shared with you getting on, getting ready for the show today that there is talk of, you know, going back to some type of lockdown, if you will, mask mandate, travel restrictions, you know, is this going to be something and, and how can this affect our industry as a
1: whole? My guess right now, Josh, based on the, the doctors I've spoken to and others, is that you'll see selective lockdowns in mm. states where they have not been successful getting people vaccinated. Interesting. Uh, you know, New York, w- with all of its political issues and and, and dysfunction in uh, New York City, where I used to live, uh, at least we've gotten a large number of people vaccinated. And they're working on focusing on those who couldn't get to the vaccination center or whatever the reasons were so we can try and minimize the disruption this year because it's so costly. I mean, my God, the cost of COVID when you could actually sit down and add it up is gonna be monumental.
0: Astronomical yeah it's one of those things that I think we're starting to I think we're still starting to see some of the after effects of small businesses my and and this is the discussion I was having over the weekend. if we were to go back into some type of, and again, heaven forbid, we want to make sure everybody's healthy. Uh, Jacob and I have talked about this on the show. Chris, yes, what you and I are talking about here is we want to make sure our general audience, all of you, those people that we have so much love and so much respect for, we want to have see you healthy and happy, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, there is possibility. That it could affect so many people who are still trying to recover, Chris. Not, mm-hmm. I mean, financially. Those small mom and pop restaurants, small mom and pop businesses across the country that are still trying to. If we were to go back into some type of lockdown, that has long-term effects. That has huge well, effects upon our industry as well. So it, it'll be. We're hoping and praying that you know all everybody is responsible. Do your part to keep your community healthy and happy. That's what that's what we're gonna say on that, right, Chris.
1: It is. But let me say this. I think the mortgage industry has illustrated how technology and also a different kind of business focus. It's more data centric than mm. office centric uh, enabled us to change. And I think the big challenge for owners of commercial properties in legacy cities is that that change is not going to be reversed. Right. Once People realize that they can be mobile and that they can selectively go where they have to go to do business. Sure. You're not going to change people's minds on this. You know, we all had to come together. We had to become closer as families and as communities because of COVID. People like that, and so the whole commuter model that's very you know familiar here in New York. I live with a train within walking distance of my house. The parking lot for the Scarborough train station is empty this morning. Wow. It's, it's, there's eight ten cars there. They have capacity for four hundred cars. Ooh. So. You know, the old days when all of these train stations had people parking on the roads and everything else uh, are gone. And I think usage patterns for assets for cities going forward is going to be different because people in our industry, what do they need to do? They need to pick up their phone and their computer and go talk to a client either virtually or in person.
0: 100%. so this is a and I don't want to get too much into this but with what we're talking about here with how we're talking about our industry evolving and changing um, and especially again with with kind of what we're talking about too depending on if the country goes back into some sort of lockdown or whatever changes is going into place the the conference season is just around the corner for the mortgage industry so many of them have postponed you know you have MBA coming up you have different you have Nam you have aim you have a whole bunch of coming up starting in August September October I mean no. could, this, could this could potentially affect all those conferences as well.
1: I hope not. I've already bought my ticket for San Diego and I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go there one way or another. Let's put it that way. If nothing
0: else, Chris, you and I are hanging out there in San Diego. There we go. We we'll, we'll got fishing.
1: But yeah. you know, I think that we're going to manage this differently than we did last year, but I think communities that have not been able to get their populations vaccinated are going to be penalized very heavily, mm-hmm. and I worry about that of oh, most of the southern states. You know, people just kind of look at this and say, well, it's not a problem. Yeah, it's a problem. My brother had COVID, not nice. You Hmm. don't want to have this. If you could avoid this, especially for younger people, uh, my family's got uh, family all over Latin America and in Australia. Believe me, those people would take a jab right now
0: hundred percent. I'm right there with you. My brother's had it. He had it earlier. Now we're seeing some long lasting and some, you know, yeah. after effects of affecting heart and affecting so many things. So again, people right. just keep it. We want to see everybody healthy. We want to see you all happy. We want to see your faces at the next conference. So take care of yourselves and put the necessary precautions in place so you can do that. Let's, let's move on to one that I'm probably most excited about. Ginny Mae proposal. Now, there's there's time for a preliminary victory lap, if you will. We kind of shook up you, oh, really? of all people, shook up the industry in a good way, and now our mortgage family is actually they're talking about it. at the water cooler, we're talking about in the kitchen. Which again, I have mentioned this earlier. This is what I'm so excited about. This is why I have so much respect and so much reverence for you because you really started this conversation that now the entire industry is ha- is is kind of talking about. So talk about this Ginny Mae proposal.
1: Uh, One of the leaders in the industry said to me Friday, Chris, you shook up the industry in a good way. (laughs) And I I think that's right. I think our friends at Ginnie Mae got blindsided because they allowed an outside vendor, Deloitte, uh, to do most of the work on this proposal. And I don't think it was properly vetted. You know, Congress has constrained Ginnie Mae. They can spend as much money as they want to on contractors, but they can't hire people. And this is the problem. They need to build their staff so, that they have people who understand the industry, who do this kind of important work, and understand what the implications are for our community. Now, the basic proposal is a cut and paste of the Basel Bank uh, capital rule. That's totally inappropriate for independent mortgage banks. They're not banks. You know, IMBs are subordinate to commercial banks, commercial banks give us the money we use to do business. So there were a lot of uh, details in this proposal that I won't go into now, but suffice to say, if that proposal went into effect today, it would crater the government loan market, it would force, force most lenders in this market, even the big publicly owned ones, to sell their mortgage servicing rights, and we would all become loan brokers for Jamie Dimon. Okay? Yeah. Now, I don't think the folks at Ginny may want to do that, but that is the effect of the rule they put out there a couple of weeks ago, And I saw this late on a Friday, and I kind of looked at it for a few minutes, and I couldn't believe what I saw. So as I pushed this out to different people in the industry, I wrote a blog about it on the Institutional Risk Analyst. All of a sudden, the floodgates opened, and people said, what is going on here, Chris? I talked to at least a dozen CEOs in the industry, and all of them were pretty much apoplectic. Once they had read the proposal, they said, we can't do this. This is going to put me out of business. So I'm just getting done with my comments, which I'm going to submit this week. I think all of us in the mortgage family need to go into the kitchen with Ginny Mae, close the door, pour a couple of drinks, and talk about what's important. You know, what's important to Ginny Mae, Josh? Make sure the bondholders of Ginnie Mae Securities get paid on time, and make sure that the servicers got the money to take care of defaults. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Everything else is a matter of indifference to Ginny Mae, Frank. Sure. Because they're not a regulator. They are a credit guarantor. They are the guys who guarantee those securities that make this whole market possible. So I think they need to go back to square one and say, what's important to us? Do we care about whether Josh makes money or not? Yeah, kind of, sort of. But we really just care about whether or not he's got the cash to fulfill our rules for participants in our program. And if they don't, we're going to transfer the servicing. The big picture for them, though, is they can't make. Participating in the Junior mate Program and the FHA program so onerous that people don't want to do it. Right. Okay. This is why there are no commercial banks in this market. They all left, and you know, people thought it was because the Department of Justice whacked them with a lot of fines from that Civil War era law on false claims, or they thought it was you know the bank regulators telling them to get out. There was some of that, but sure. the biggest problem for banks is that they're really lousy government servicers. <laughs> You know, other than Senlar and you know, my friends at Flagstar, there's Wells Fargo, obviously, these guys have figured it out. Mm. But to be a government servicer, you can't make any mistakes. That's it. true. You've got to be pretty much perfect because the cost of servicing is higher. You <laughs> don't get reimbursed for everything. You don't get reimbursed for that fifteen or twenty thousand dollars you lose on a foreclosure. Okay. So by definition, these issuers have to be very efficient, and they're almost always trying to make money today with their new loans to pay for the, you know, the mistakes from yesterday. Right. That's, that's the nature of the beast. So I think Ginnie Mae has to make life easier for issuers, and remember that they have to maintain an attractive market. Otherwise, we're, we're, we're done. We're not going to be able to do this anymore.
0: 100%. So, a question just came in is this proposal from Ginny May, has it been squashed completely? And I don't no, know if it, as no. I say it It hasn't been, right?
1: No, no. Everybody in the industry needs to file comments. Everybody in the industry needs to reach out to their coverage officer at Ginny May and ask them to have a conversation with them about this rule and right. how it would specifically impact them. Because I honestly don't think. The folks at Ginny may fully appreciated the impact of this proposal. For example, I have to subtract my excess MSRs from my adjusted net worth. Hello, that, that doesn't, doesn't make sense. work. Nope, at that's, all. That's harsher than the rules for banks. Yep. I don't know what these people were thinking about, or maybe they weren't thinking. But the point is, when you allow a vendor and a contractor to do important work like this, you can get in trouble. And I think that's what we have here.
0: Well, and I think and I I'm glad you mentioned this because you're you're working on a document that we're gonna release as soon as you're done with it. We're gonna some of these proposals and some of the more finer details we're gonna share with you guys. Cause they like you said, and as we've been kind of alluding to, we're starting the discussion. You need to be having these discussions. We as an industry, because this does have a significant impact on on all of us as as industry, as mortgage professionals, this this proposal could have long-term ramifications if not discussed and if not approached in the right way.
1: Look at it this way, you know, the the folks at HUD were very comfortable having banks dominate their market because they didn't have to worry about it. Sure. The the issuer requirements were easily met by banks because banks are subsidized by the U S government. They're subsidized by the FDIC. You can't compare a bank and a non-bank. It's just night and day. So HUD would love to go back to the future and have a market comprise hundred percent of banks, but that's not what we have today you have non-banks making loans, selling loans to banks, and then the non-banks are much better servicers. They don't get in trouble as often, okay? The bank regulators don't want banks in the government market, that's the last thing they want. So we have to figure out a way to manage a market where the non-banks make the loans, service the loans, the commercial banks finance all of this. From a, from a commercial perspective, a wholesale perspective, but banks don't want to face low-income consumers. They can't. Right. They, Elizabeth Warren has made that impossible. You will never see JP Morgan banking the bottom third of the mortgage market ever again. Ever again. Yep. Ever again. And the other banks are the same way because their bank examiner from the OCC tells them that every time they see them. Yep. That's it.
0: That 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 is it. Literally, that is it. So here's, here's what we all want you to take away from this. All of you listening, share this. Start that discussion because this proposal to this question has not been squashed. We need to be yeah. having discussions. This needs to be something that are as you as mortgage professionals. Again, this could have long term. This could have
1: ramifications for all of us. Yeah, and remember, Josh, they were getting ready to put this proposal out without asking for public comment. Exactly, and that's what's kind of like. Yeah,
0: which is crazy. It's like, wait, hold on a second. Pump pump the brakes.
1: And remember, regulators have power. When they make public statements or they put something like this out there publicly, it has huge ramifications. For example, banks have started calling issuers in the past two weeks asking for updated financials. We're waiting to see one of the rating agencies take action if this proposal goes through. So the folks at Ginnie may need to understand that when they put something out like this publicly, it has enormous implications for the credit relationship between independent mortgage banks and their lenders and their investors. Okay, this is a very serious question, and I hope people will take it seriously and get involved, get into Mm. the kitchen, get into the conversation.
0: Oh, get, get into the kitchen, get in the comments. I'm going to end on that. That was like a mic drop. Chris Whalen just drops it right there. Cause we do, ladies and gentlemen, this is what you have dedicated your life to. This is what your career, this is what we all talk about. So if you're not having these discussions, if you're not part of it, you, and I know at the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, somebody else is going to take care of it. So somebody else is going to have that conversation. You need to be involved. If, you are, if your voice is not being heard and if you're not involved with this, then no one else is. Everybody else is thinking, well, I'm too busy. I've got my pipeline I got to take care of. We need your voice. We need you involved because if you're not, this is. there's only going to be a couple of us talking about it and we are stronger together. We need our industry to unite, to come together to make these discussions forefront and make sure they're happening. So Chris, you are Love absolutely that. brilliant as always. This is one of those discussions that I hope everybody takes to heart. And again, we can credit, like ladies and gentlemen, we can credit Chris. He's the one that started this conference. Nobody knew, and then all of a sudden, Chris is like, "Pump the brakes, ladies and gentlemen. We need to, we need to talk about this." Let's come back always around. Look at the
1: news on Friday night and Saturday morning. That's always, where all the good stuff is buried.
0: Always be paying attention and be paying attention right here to rise and shred. And like I said, Chris and I are working on some stuff behind the scenes. You're going to have to stay tuned for it because it's going to rock this. industry. it's going to rock the world, ladies and gentlemen. So with that, we're going to sign off. Huge shout out to our good friend, Chris Wayland, for joining us this morning for the expertise, the knowledge, and all the all that he shares and does for our industry. So a huge shout out to Chris and a huge shout out to all of you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks for the comments. Make sure you comment and share this below. We want our industry to be informed. We want them to be educated and you can get it right here every Monday, Monday morning on Rise and Shred Live. And then you can get it to your inbox. Click the link below so you can subscribe to our daily, the number one and only daily diary of the mortgage industry. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you. We love you. Now it's time for all of you to shred. Go show up, hustle, repeat every day. See ya!